0: Everybody happy with that? Well, the Lord wants to visit us. He wants to spend time with us. He enjoys being around us, and he's so eager to help us succeed in life. We're going to continue today with last week. The title was What's in Your Mouth? Now, as of Wednesday last week, I had no idea I would be ministering the Word today. Uh, I think it was Thursday that I found out. So very quickly, uh, I said, Lord, what do you want to do? And so we have part two today. Was, there was some unfinished business last week, and we're going to finish it maybe this week. So what's in your mouth part two today? All right? So we're going to cover some things from last Sunday. Uh, Derek did a great job Wednesday night of really digging into the love of God and our identity in the love of God. I'm going to repeat some things, so you're going to hear some things over, but I'm going to add some new layers to the cake today. We didn't deep dive on a few things. I'm going to deep dive on a couple things that we didn't do last week. You know, it's easy to get overwhelmed with all, the, all we have to work on. You ever think about that? Man, I got a lot to work on. You ever think that? I'm not the only one, am I? Okay, yep. You know, and this is why we have to learn in steps. God's not complicated. He said he'd order our steps. He's not a complicated God. He doesn't overwhelm us to the point that you know, we just can't get the job done. So today is just some more steps, some things to work on. The key for us, though, is when we hear the word, are we working on that last thing that we learned? You know, not just bypassing it, but are we working on it so then the next thing can be added to it? You know, in business, when we're hiring people, and I'm in a manufacturing business outside of here, and when we go to hire experienced welders or engineers, you know, we, it's great to have all the knowledge and all the theory and have gone to the best school in the world, but it's also pretty important to have practical knowledge of how it all works and applies. A qualified welder that's never welded is not yet a qualified welder. So we like practical experience, and that's as a Christian, we learn, we hear, we develop, we grow but we have to apply it and work it for it to produce its full results and come to its full fruition. My, uh, one of my heroes in the, in the world is Mike Tyson. might ask why. You know, he, say, <laughs> he is, I like him. It's a quote I use. You know, he, he, uh, he's not the greatest orator, but he said something that, that I think of often. You know, everybody has a plan until they get hit in the mouth. You know, you gotta, you gotta practice. You gotta be ready. You know, we may have all this baked inside of us, but when we haven't worked it, and we get hit in the mouth. We may not be ready for the fight, so we gotta work this thing. That's, that's how we know we have it in us, and that'll do us well. So, pastor's sermon from two week, two Sundays ago now, I think, was about the word-based life. Are we living life, or is life living us? Pretty key distinction. And so, what I decided to do last Sunday direction of the Lord was to talk about a component of living life, and and a big component as to whether we live it or it lives us, and that was what are we saying, what's in our mouth, what words are we giving voice to, you know, our mouth is a make it or break it device, words have power spiritually and naturally, you know, and just in the natural, anybody married in here? Have you ever seen words play out in marriage? I mean, I always say the right things. That's why Dina loves me so much. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, sometimes it doesn't go as planned, and naturally speaking, things get a little tight and tough. Her, You know, if anybody's ever studied the five love languages, you know, it's a great guide. It's not the Bible, but it's a great guide, and one of those is words of affirmation. Well, that's at the top of her love language list. We did the survey and the test. That's actually at the very bottom of mine. (laughs) And so this is a work in process, right? And I'm going to get better and better and better and better at it. There is a language of faith, a language of faith. There is a language of unbelief, too. There is a language that sets back and a language that overcomes, We want to master the language of faith and victory, not the language of unbelief. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 1914, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. And that was David, a psalm of David. And he knew the importance of that. Think about all David went through, but he knew what mattered the most. Let what I'm thinking on and what I say, because I have authority in the earth, Be acceptable in your sight. David didn't live the cleanest and best life. He had trouble like we all do, but he knew what was priority and what was important, and it brought him back to God all the time. If we're going to live by faith, we're going to have to open our mouths. Faith does not work if it's not given voice. Many of us have over the years heard and heard and heard the word of God. We've taken notes, really good notes, and these are great things. I'm not suggesting they're not. But hearing alone does not produce. Amen. It's the building of knowledge. It gives us the foundation. But hearing is only the beginning of the process. James 2 says, Faith without works is dead. Corresponding actions. You know, there's really three steps to the process of faith. Some could argue maybe a little more, but just general high-level categories. It's hearing. Faith comes by hearing. And then saying and then do in corresponding actions. Faith without works is dead. Just hearing alone is not enough. Many of us in here know Brother Mark Hankins, friend to the ministry, comes every year. If you don't, uh, come when he, in May when he comes back. But he has two great things he says. If faith doesn't move your mouth, it will never move a mountain. Mark 11:23 23 says that. That's where he got it from. And he says, never run towards your giant with your mouth closed. David beat the giant with this three-step process of faith and i nick if we could uh that song i think hannah sang triumphant and victory i don't know the title of it but it, is that right close enough right <clears throat> shout what a great uh what a great song you know i'm just thinking david in that process you know he probably wasn't listening to a sad song you know about how he's going to have a rough day and try to make it over the other side of the hill and all that stuff I think he was playing that song. You know, he's, he's got it, he's been meditating, he's thinking, I got a job to get done. And all of a sudden, he's, he's hearing some words, and he, you know, he leans over to Brother Michael, can you start hitting the bass strings? <laughs> and, then, and then Gabe, Gabe can't hear him, but he, he's signaling that way, thinking, okay, I guess I have to start hitting the drums. And then Nick starts picking on the guitar, and Garrison's shouting in the microphone at everybody, telling them to get in sync. Brother Durwood, where are you, bro? He sat in the back. He didn't want to be picked on this time. (laughs) You know, he says, bring some of that bass voice in with the cowboy wear he has on today. You know, we're here to fight. And then the ladies come in to bring us up to a high level. And I could just, you you could see him getting a little swagger thinking, all right, now we're talking. We're going to get ready to roll. We're going to go kick Goliath, you know, anyway. So let's work on some confessions today. We're going to make you work again. I have, God, I have the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Surpasses all understanding. I am redeemed from, I'm redeemed from the curse of the law, because Jesus was made a curse for me. Curse for me. I, am free free. Anxiety. Anxiety. I am free of anxiety. I am free of stress. I am free of worry free of pressure, I am free, I am free, I am free, free. free. amen, amen, not subject or bound to any of these things, you know, the faith life takes work, you all know that, takes preparation, you know, getting my faith language accurate, powerful, and productive just takes work, doesn't just happen, you know, we don't learn a foreign language overnight, I'm sure Pastor and Miss didn't learn any languages. They did, they're did. they stopping Dubai last night. They probably didn't learn whatever they speak in Dubai now. I think it's English, but anyway. They probably didn't learn that <laughs> overnight. You know, do we want results? Those are questions we need to ask ourselves. Do we really want results in life? It's going to take some work to get there. I mentioned last week um, an uh, observation Dr. Lillian B. Omens had made in her book about people being prepared, and she was a doctor... She went into healing ministry, was her primary ministry. And her observation about people who got healed and didn't get healed. And I actually said it was Susan Yeomans last week. And I was thinking about Susan Cope and the gravy she makes for men's ministry. That must have been what it was. No, it's a little typo. But her name is actually Lillian. And she said, along the lines of, the people want to be healed. We all want to be healed. God wants us to be healed. And people would come and to be, have hands laid on them, and that's good. But she would observe out in the audience that they weren't listening, weren't paying attention. When asked questions, the response, you could tell there was no meditation. There was no building that vision up on the inside. There wasn't a lot of work behind it. And as a result, many didn't get healed despite the constant rotation to have hands laid on them. Now, Come get hands laid on you. There's a point of contact. But there's a part of preparation that we have to do. We have to do our part in the work. So I'm going to cover a few things that we did uh, last time, but add a, add a few elements to it. So, and I put them in sections. You know, why does, God, why does giving voice to words matter, and why does saying matter? So guess where we're going to go to the Bible first? Genesis chapter 1. Answered it for you. And I'm just going to skim through it to kind of give some categories of why, does, why do words matter. So in the beginning, Brother Derek hit this nicely. In the beginning, you know, uh, there was God and God said, and he was hovering over the face of the deep in verse 1, 2, and then in verse 3. And that's where faith was hovering, verse 1 and 2, ready to be released. And in verse 3, God began to release his faith and create things. And it says in verse 3, let there be light, and talked about details. Then in verse 6, let there be space between the waters, and separate the waters of the heavens, and some details. Then in verse 9, let the waters beneath the sky flow together. God was creating, releasing faith, and creating. Verse 14, then God said again, let lights appear in the sky, separate the day from night, went through some details. Verse 20, let the waters swarm with fish and other life, more details. Verse 24, then God said, let the earth produce every sort of animal, and so on and so forth. And in verse 26, then, the, then God said, let us make human beings in our image just to be, to be just like us. So there he, he, he said, let's make those uses to be like him and in his image. A faith God who released his faith by saying, we were created to be just like that. And then he went on to say, and we didn't cover this last week in verse 28 be fruitful, he said, blessed him and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish and, and some other things. So, dominion. He created us to have faith like him, activate our faith like him, and to have the authority to do it. God granted us the authority to do that. In his sovereignty, That's where he released his sovereignty. And he handed over that control, that creative ability, that dominion and authority to us in that statement right there. He turned it over to us. Amen? So God gave faith, voice, and created And He built us to do exactly the same thing. Not wait on him to do it. We can't leave up to him what he's left up for us to do in our lives. Point number two, and uh, I think Brother Kevin talked about the rudder. Maybe it was uh, uh, Derek. But uh, James 3, turn with me to James 3, verse 2. We'll start at verse 2. Our tongue is like a rudder. So what we say really, really matters. Indeed, we all make mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in, any, in every other way. Now we didn't stop there last time, but if we could control what we say, if we could control our tongues, the Bible says we would be considered perfect and able to control ourselves in every other way. How powerful is the spoken word? The power of death and life is in the tongue. The Bible in the New Testament, if the Old Testament's not good enough for you, the New Testament says, if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect. Kind of hard to grasp. But that shows you how powerful what we say is. Doesn't matter our level of intelligence, background, doesn't matter. Uh, Doesn't matter how long you've been a student of the word. We have to stay on top of this. We've heard pastors say that many times. He's preaching at a level that we're all trying to learn and keep up with, but he has to practice what he preaches every single day. The faith giants of the world have to say the right things on Monday morning. They have to do exactly what they're asking us to do today. We have to stay at it. <clears throat> so our tongue, what we said, determines our course. It sets direction. Uh, it doesn't take much to have a big impact, as we can see in here. A small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. Back to the marriage example. Doesn't take much. Just a little glimpse of the wrong thing can go the wrong way. So what we say has to be led and managed like a ship, you know, a guidance system. And just a little bit of it can determine the course we're on. Back when I was in high school, I lived right on the um, east coast, right Hampton Roads area. and We would go sailing. It wasn't a dinghy. It was like two feet longer than a dinghy, but not much better than that. And we would go out and sail. And uh, I learned the importance of a rudder in that occasion, you know, with one that works and with one that doesn't. Uh, We went out sailing one day and, of course, being high school students, you know, you can walk on water and you don't think through a whole lot of things and, you know, you'll be alive tomorrow no matter what type of thinking. And we got out there and storms would always come up about four or five o'clock and they just, I mean, they come fast and furious. It's sunny. Everything looks great. And, of course, then we couldn't check our, back then, check our apps to see that a storm was coming, right? You just looked up and you heard thunder and, believe it or not, a storm would come. You know, the app, app didn't get us there back then, but... It would come up quick, and we thought, okay, this day, humidity's down, maybe it won't be so bad. You know, we're bravado, nothing can stop us. We're out sailing, and a storm came up. Anybody ever been in a small boat in 8- to 10-foot swells? 60-mile-an-hour winds. It's a different experience. So we're in this little sailboat, and we said, okay, we've got to get it. We're probably three, 400 yards from one of the jetties we could get behind and try to get back in. And we got caught in those swells and went to turn, and the rudder snapped on the back of the sailboat. That's how messed up. So immediately in a boat without a rudder, you start to do this. You know, loop-de-loop stuff, King's Dominion-level stuff, you know. And we're thinking, okay, what do we do now? So it's the first thing, let's go get the life jackets. Guess what, was it, what wasn't in the boat that day? Life jackets, all right. First thing, then we said, well, there's a motor, an outboard motor on the back, you know, for those who aren't great sailors, you cheat with an outboard motor on the back. Let's go fire that up. Guess what? didn't start. So then we said, what, what can we do? We're spinning. You know, we're going to get caught and tipped over or, you know, get a little wet here and may not make it back. So what do we do? We had a little troll motor down in the bottom and we got that out. So after about 15, 20 minutes, we got it from not spinning anymore. And in that time, that rudder was broken and throwing us in a loop. A storm went by, and this was quite a while at that point, and we're just thinking, we can, we're just going to try to stay alive. That's the goal here. And when it all came, storms go so fast, the sun would come out and things would calm down pretty quick. And we looked up, and we were about 100 yards away from an aircraft carrier coming into port. Now, that, those guys didn't look like the storm bothered them a whole lot. <laughs> you know, it's just coasting in. We have no rudder. We have a little troll motor, and we're thinking... This is a bad day, but at least we made it through the storm. Anyway, I want to use an example. That day, the rudder is very impactful. I mean, think about the things we say that could send us in a spin. We've got to get that right. With the rudder, you might make it to live another day. Words were so important, uh, you know, back when Jesus uh, was buried and he had talked about his resurrection. You know, one thing the Pharisees and, and key leaders tried to do, they paid the officers a bribe to say, you know, Jesus was resurrected. He rose from the dead. And he went on, and he did exactly what he would say. But those Pharisees said, hey, officers, go tell everybody the disciples came and stole them. Your testimony, your words, to that end will put this resurrection thing down. It'll put the message of Christianity on the back burner. Think about in the court of law, oaths and testimonies. Sometimes the biggest cases which we see online, on TV nowadays, are determined by a word or two, right? Is it the right word? Was it used correctly? And was it used in the right sequence? Words matter. So controlling our thoughts, another uh, reason why giving voice to words matter, controlling our thoughts, taking them captive. You know, that's a component of life. We have to get a g- grip on what we think, and we can do that with our words. We control what we think by what we hear when we say. Mouthful. We control what we think by what we hear, by what we say, kind of cycles. Joshua, um, well, let's go to, you don't have to turn here, I'll flip over. Philippians 4, eight. fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. Think, meditate upon these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. The Bible tells us this is what we're to think on, and it uses the word meditate, which is to process and moan, to growl, to make noise, to mutter. Uh, It's not just a silent mental processing. It involves a speaking in the thinking process. Joshua chapter 1, I won't go there today, but, you know, Joshua, Moses had just passed away or or left, and now Joshua is holding the bag of leadership, and uh, he's nervous. He wasn't the most confident to start with, and now what do I do with all these crazy people? That's exactly what was going through his head. Well, the Lord said, don't let this book of the law depart out of your mouth. Here are the instructions, here's the promises. You're going to have to keep it constantly cycling through to keep your thoughts from overtaking, those thoughts of fear, of worry, of insufficiency. That's how he got rid of that. He constantly meditated. He had to arrest his thinking. Think about if he hadn't have been talking the word of God, what God just said, thoughts galore. Train wreck waiting to happen. Our minds are a battlefield. You know, they share space with, Uh, You know, fear, worry, doubt, uh, the past, uh, share space with what we believe in faith. So with the Word of God, they share space in our mind. And we've got to work to get them out. They don't just leave on their own. They don't leave just because we hear. I talked about uh, fear, worry, doubt, past failures, you know, depression, those thoughts that run through. And over the course of the last couple days, you know, genetic and cultural conditions that just live, they're alive in our psyche. Things from the past, genetic predispositions, cultural experiences and predispositions that that are just baked into the way we think and how we think about whether we can overcome them or not. I think it's an idiom. I don't want to sound like an idiot, but this, I didn't do so well in college English, but I think this is an idiom. Bear with me. But it's kind of reflective of our, what lingers, those embedded thoughts that are in our minds, how we subconsciously filter our life through these things, and that determines our activity of faith towards them. You know, I, I grew up, here's one, it's just a matter of time before I get sick. Has anybody ever said that, thought that, heard that? Or I'm due for something this time of the year, it's turning cold. I mean, it's almost like a rite of passage in a lot of households, right? Bam, got the flu again this year, told you. It sounds funny, right? And it sounds like, well, what's the big deal? But we are getting it every year. So here's the idiom, if that's what it really is. But this is just some, some filters of how we think through things. I never had a slice of bread, particularly, particularly large and wide, that did not fall upon the floor and always on the buttered side. <laughs> it, you know, it picks all that dirt and stuff up and it's like, yeah, there's the only piece of toast in there. You know what I'm saying? Does anybody ever feel like that? Like one thing after the other. You know, if my toast is going to fall, it will be on the buttered side, that type of stuff. We have to train and direct our minds. Our flesh will not get rid of, of these thinking on its own. Flesh cannot fix flesh. The word of God is what fixes flesh. Anybody here happy to move on? So, words are tools that regulate our mind. Uh, you know, there's some skeptic, skepticism on faith declarations. I've had them in my past. I don't anymore. I believe everything I say will come to pass. Um, and you know, the all up to, it's all up to God doctrine. I know it's not necessarily ser- deliberate, uh, but it flies in the face of these principles that I don't have to make declarations because it's really all up to God. Well, that's, that's a doctrine in itself because it disagrees with the doctrine of the word of God. And I'm not saying it's deliberate, it's just predominant in a lot of Christian circles. And we have to declare by faith because God told us to do it that it'll, it'll reshape and rewire the way we think and produce results. I have to flush out, you know, this mental and emotional mess that's in me uh, so that the Word of God can prevail. Remember the example last Sunday of a pure, clear glass of water? That's our, that's our perfect man with everything right, that the sin and stains of life and the things we think on and say begin to drop contaminated things in that water. Picture like grape juice. It's clear water until you put that first drop of grape juice in there. So these things, whether big or small, inconsequential, they may seem, they start drip, 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 drip. I have to flush fear and worry out. I can't keep talking about it. Then we also said what we say indicates what's in our heart. Now we're going to get into the fun part. And we t- Did anybody take their inventory this past week about what you're saying? Ooh. Okay. I'm going to take that as nobody did their work, so I'm coming hard and strong right now, all right? Hold on. You know, the Bible says, Luke 45, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what's in your heart. What's in there? Uh, Matthew 12... I'm going to end with 37 because it talks about what's in there. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. You'll be determined free or guilty by, in the, the, the game of life by what we say. From the abundance of your, howl, your mouth, the heart speaks. We'll talk a little bit about inventory here in a second, but what do you say immediately when you stub your toe? What's on the inside? In the heat of the battle, and we were just uh, yesterday at these uh, Christian school basketball games, and in the heat of the battle, and I'm not throwing any stones because we're having to work on Dina. <laughs> no, I'm a little competitive. She is too. We both were, grew up in Hampton Roads in the public school system. So there's a lot to flush out. Brother Stu went to, he was in the Hampton Roads school system He's still working on flushing his words out, too, so (laughs) you can't make any more up than we heard there. Uh, But anyway, you can see a great display of Christianity at a Christian school basketball game at the heat of the moment. You know, bless the Lord. It's so good to see you. You know, Jesus is our Savior. All that happens when the game's not heated, and then that goes a different direction, other examples, in the drive-thrus, right? What, in the heat of the battle in a drive-thru, what do you say? Now, I've taken to Starbucks. I don't know what that says about me, but I've taken to it. Now, I haven't completely jumped to the other side. So when I go to Starbucks, every time I go, I order a tall pike. Nothing in it. Nothing fancy. Tall, which is the small. What's the medium one? Grande, the large. The grande is the medium. And the Venti is the big one, you know, rocket science, label those. But I always order a tall pike, nothing in it, hot. In fact, they know me, and uh, each one of them there, when I go through, says tall pike. I don't even have to order anymore. That's how boring and plain, traditional, and how non-Starbucky I am. But there's always somebody in front of me, and the speaker is so loud. You can hear everything. You can hear them breathe. You can hear everything. And people like sit on the corner over there that are in front of me in a drive through line order everything under the sun in one drink. And i got to go somewhere. i got to be somewhere. And it's almost like a deliberate act to irritate the guy <laughs> behind you, right? I mean, how can they possibly get a drink like that to tastes good? It's got everything that nobody can pronounce in it. And in the heat of it, I've said some things that I'd like to take back. That's what's on the inside. But I know some of you also are, you know, sitting at stoplights texting. You know, you've been waiting for three minutes to get through the red light. It turns green. And either you or the person in front of you is sitting there texting at that very specific moment. Fifteen seconds later, it turns yellow. What do you say in those moments? Junk in, junk out, word in, word out. You know, what's in there? Just kind of being a little humorous with it. How about a couple more confessions and we'll move on. I'm strong in the Lord, in the Lord. and the power of his might. I am the head, the head. and not the tail. I'm, the I'm full, of joy, full of joy, a fruit of the spirit. Of the spirit. Therefore, I'm strong. Therefore I'm strong. Feel good? You know, you're taking vitamins when you say that. Or if you're sick, you're taking medicine. Either way, it's a dual purpose pill right the word of God it'll do it both for you all right so we're going to move along and kind of finish on this section I have more but we're going to run out of time so we'll call it part three about a year from now but uh just hang around that long you can't leave the church for at least another year because you want to hear part three but, so last time I gave you some homework and it appears nobody did it so either I'm a bad teacher or you're a bad listener we'll determine that later, but no, just kidding with you. Um, One of them was create your own list of confessions or faith declarations. At Freedom Word, and I've got got some evidence here, at Freedom Word Church, we have, I'm just giving you some ideas, you know, do your thing, but do it. You know, you're not going to walk in divine healing and health if you don't do your own thing with the Word of God and get in that spot or walk in love or financial turnarounds and situations or purposes and assignments strife peace all that stuff it's not just going to happen on its own and we have pastor and uh, others have put together different confessions like the financial confessions how hard is it to do this every other day or pick one two three a day You know, you can't do it all at one time, so what I I have days where I pick today I'm going to focus on faith, family, and finances. Monday, that's what I do Monday. I switch it up every year. Tuesday is health and healing. Wednesday, I take the day off on a subject and I catch up on anything I'm behind or I listen to podcasts, just kind of free-flowing. Thursday, I work on my business, on the business side of things. Uh, Friday, I'll get to get back to you on Friday. I changed it up this year. I can't remember the other category. But anyway, I have some purpose, because I can't do it all at one time. It's overwhelming, kind of gets, it feels like uh, going through a checklist too much. But, you know, on on Monday, I'm going to go over my faith confessions list, declare it out loud. You know, when I start, um, I don't don't feel like I'm flowing in the Spirit. I don't feel like faith is even within reach. Um, Maybe a little grumpy, maybe rushed. But that's the perfect time for a financial confession to kind of get us grounded. You know, these things don't change. They're right there, the same thing every day. So whether I feel like it or not, you know, you kind of get the engine warmed up before the supercharger of the Holy Spirit kicks in. You can get a couple through these, and if you get practice at them, you go from feeling like a dud going through these two scriptures later, you're praying it in the Spirit. And the Lord's given you some specific things to say about you. You know, love confessions, it'll help you with what's in there when you stub your toe. I mean, uh. Some things, you know, that we could talk about, but love never fails. It doesn't get offended. might be good to hear yourself say that before you go to work tomorrow or church. Healing scriptures, Tuesday morning, healing scriptures. We do them more often. I mean, Dean and I do at least three every night before we go to bed, but that's, I'm just giving you some ideas. You do your thing that works for you, but this is what works for me. And it didn't happen overnight. It's taken years to get there. I shared with you my little, uh, my little black book last week, kind of 15 years in the making, so it's not overwhelming. I had a back of the napkin notebook set up when I started, but a confession that we put together off of a proverb, Proverbs chapter 2. Once again, just giving you ideas, taking the scripture and personalizing it. I'll just give you a couple lines. I receive your words, I treasure your commands within me. So that I'd incline my ear to wisdom and I apply my heart to understanding. Now this is personalized version of Proverbs 2. I cry out for discernment. I lift up my voice for understanding. And many times when I even get to that verse, I say, Lord, I have no idea what to do today. But you do. And you promised me in your word. I'm three verses into it. You promised me in your word that if I cry out and if I lift up my voice to you, you'll help me understand what to do. So I feel better already that it's on you to help me do this, because I you know, personally don't feel it yet. But I know I start to get in the rhythm of the Lord. Once again, another idea. We have some foundational scriptures, you know, for Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. You want to get charged up? You want to go from feeling like a void and a dud to I can conquer the world? Start reading through that. Psalm 91, Psalm 112. I've got in my wallet, uh, Gabe did this as a Christmas present. I think he did this so he didn't have to buy me anything. But, no, I'm just kidding. He really meant it. He, he printed up uh, years ago now Ephesians one fifteen through 20 confession card so that it would fit my uh, phone case so I could stick it in there and remind me. You know, just reminders. Faith is not a feeling. It's a choice followed by an action. These things help you get there. They help you build some consistency when you don't feel like it. So let, let's get to inventory and we'll finish there today. Everybody good? Some new inventory? Inventory checks. So the Bible says to examine yourself. It doesn't sound so fun. And when we do, it really doesn't sound fun. But in 2 Corinthians 13.5, it says, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? So it is self-examinations of our condition of faith or how we're living life uh, are a godly thing to do how do we know where we are if we don't step back and examine and we a part of that's examining what we say a big part of it it's an instruction it's a command it's not a suggestion it says examine yourselves you know how, how if we had a we're baking some brownies right now and on the back of the betty Crocker box there's four things you have to do right eggs maybe mix the dry mix vegetable oil, stir it all up, or something like that. Now, if you step one, miss one of those four steps, probably a problem, right? Dina's famous. I'm picking on my family. She's famous for making something like peanut butter cookies, and we're out of peanut butter. <laughs> it's just not going to work. Can I get away without using the oil? No, it's going to be a glob of dry flour, but I think she does it just to get at me. have to follow the instructions make sure we're getting them all right you know the the Lord said in Malachi 2 17 you've wearied me with your words you know evil words now nobody in here probably is well hopefully not you know he was talking about there about people saying that evil's good and people who are doing evil are good and you know getting it backwards kind of just hit me you know we all these rock stars and athletes and things that are acting like a fool Saying all the wrong things, pushing propaganda that's against the word of God, and we love to watch them and celebrate them and tag them and talk them and tick them and all that stuff. Anyway, we'll move on from there. But uh, more in our circles, our everyday lives, complaints, doubt, unbelief, words contrary to the word of God, big and small, murmuring, not muttering. Muttering's good, it's meditation, murmuring. Not good. Has anybody ever murmured? And murmuring, let me define it, and then you can answer the question. It's whining, moaning, about something you don't like with the intent of getting others to agree. Anybody ever done that? Mm. Okay. Think about the Israelites in the wilderness. I mean, Moses got to the point, he started calling them, God, they're your people. Right? He went from, yeah, I'm the the leader, you know, I'm glad to have this title, to I don't care if you take them out. And then he had had a second thought and said, well, Lord, spare them. If you'll do anything for me, just spare them, but they're your people. So they were murmuring. You know, God gave them manna. And what did they do? Complained about that. He gave them a, a pillar of fire to go by night, right? I may get some of this backwards. But anyway, he gave them light to know where to go. And they complained about that. You know, during the day, there were, he gave them complete and exact guidance. He took them through the Red Sea, parted the water. You know, and they, somebody complained they had mud on their boots. People complained against how Pastor Moses was doing things. Amen. Okay. Ready to finish on inventory? All right, so those things we've become accustomed to saying. You know, we're talking about that pure glass of water and all some little contamination from, we talk about worry and sickness, we add some contamination. So th- this is along that, that line, you know, stuff that's embedded in us, things that we need to perform a root canal on to get out of our belief system. Anybody ever had a root canal? That's what we need to do spiritually, mentally. Last week we said some things like, anybody here tickles me to death? No need to die if you're in a tickle fight. Bear to Midland. Middling, Middling, Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. Johnny Cash sung a song about that. I found that this week. It's pretty pathetic. But he was good at, at the guitar and how he sang. If it weren't for bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck at all. I'm always a day late and a dollar short. In Murphy's Law, I told you last week that Murphy's Law actually had a plaque in my parents' house that actually had Murphy's Law up there. So that way, on the way out, I could remember that if something could go wrong, it would. But I I remembered over the course of the week, that wasn't it, and at the worst possible time, right? If something could go wrong, it will at the worst possible time. That's how I grew up thinking. That's contrary to the thought life of the believer. So here's, you want some new ones? Because I'm sure nobody's thought about these or participated in them. Think I'm catching a cold. Well, you might be dealing with something, but why bother catching it? Kind of put your hand behind your back, you know? Resist the enemy and he shall flee. That's what the word says about that. Now, I got caught on this one this week, so don't feel, you can look at me strange. I asked somebody how they were doing. Think uh, I'm here and getting by. That's about the best we can expect, right? And I thought, you know, I did notice that didn't sound right, but I didn't respond correctly. i like, yep. And I said, yep. It's pretty bad. So this week, I'm going to practice my words. I'm not going to ask anybody how they're doing. (laughs) I'm just going to say it is good to see you. You look well and keep on walking. So (laughs) help me out this week. I'm not interested in how you're doing. I'm just interested that you're doing well this week, okay? But I'm practicing if I mess it up. Anybody ever said I'm worried sick? Hmm. You know, worry is a sin. Sin will make you sick for sure, right? There's no need to, like, help it. What about that just took my breath away? I mean, these are all kind of, some of these are funny and lighthearted and sayings, but you see, I did the drop of grape juice in the clear water of faith i'm just giving you some extreme examples you know why fight against god he's the one that gave us gives us breath every day you know just don't fight against him why does that always happen to me and you know, i think that's a part of the murphy's law and you know ed murphy was the guy that came up with it not eddie murphy but a guy named he's an aerospace engineer so if there's engineers in the house julie you guys came up with this stuff all right <laughs> I'm never in the right place at the right time. Well, Isaiah 48, 17 through 18 says, he sh- the Lord shows us how to profit, what to do, how to do it, when to do it. And all the leading in the Old Testament, anybody doing the one-year Bible reading? You've been through some of the, kind of the hard reading of the Old Testament so far? But do you see the meticulous detail at which he led his people under the Old Covenant without the Spirit of God living in on, on the inside of them? Almost done, promise you. I'm going to catch every one on one of these before we leave. It seems like I never get ahead. Doesn't the blessing of the Lord say I'm the head and not the tail? Don't entertain that thought anymore. You may feel like you're behind. Like Derek said, your finances may seem void. Don't say that. You have faith on the inside of you. Don't entertain that contamination. It's all up to, I'm going to give you some religious ones. How's that? Good Christian sounding ones. It's all up to God in his good time. Well, if it is, he's not doing a very good job. That's not an indictment against God. That's against us. But you hear that a lot. It's all up to God and in his good time. Well, I need to wait on the Lord for some things, but that's not us working independently of each other in different directions. I mean, if, he's, if it's all up to God, then he's not stopping crime. He's not stopping all this other foolish stuff. He's put that in our hands to do that with the words of our mouth and the dominion he's given us. Here's another religious sentiment. Let go and let God because he is in control. Well, that contradicts what he started saying in Genesis, chapter one, we started there. So that statement itself incorrectly shapes the lens and basis for the principles we believe in. I know this is some hard saying. You know, if that's true, then why pray? Why go on a diet? He's either going to make me skinny or not. Well, there's some things I have to do. He's not in control of all of that. He put me in control of that. And the Bible says to ask and it will be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be open. Well, just stop doing that if he's in control of all of that because it's not necessary. All right, let's move on. Those, those, those don't always go so well. The Brother Stu, can I pick on Brother Stu? Can I pick on you? He said he's going to help me today as a pastoral care assistant, so that means as a punching bag too. So. But <laughs> Stu, I love Stu. He can take it. You know, let's say Brother Derek, your teenage son, which teenage sons tend to, even on their best days, can mess some things up, do some things wrong. Well, imagine he does something wrong, and Miss Julie gives, you know, Stu the eye and says, Apple never falls far from the tree. How many of you heard that? One? Don't declare that over you, kid. When it rains, it pours. Anybody ever said that one? Blessing of the Lord. Let's take it that way. I can't do anything right to save my life. These are all familiar sayings that almost gave me a heart attack. Man, I heard that growing up in my grandparents' house. It was a rough one. I can't win for losing. Oh, here's one you go out to sport. You ever heard a sports? You go out and you say, "All right, they're running out on the field. Break a leg." <laughs> I'm trying to run to home base, not break a leg halfway through. Say the right thing. Say run harder or something. I laughed so hard I thought I was going to die. Well, a merry heart does good to a medicine. We ought to take that the other direction. You ought to get healthier and better, right? Look, these seem nitpicky. These are just those drops of grape juice in that clear water. And God moves in mysterious ways. Well, we don't know all of God and all we're going to learn through eternity. But he did say seek and you shall find. And he did say in Ephesians 1 and 9, the the mysterious plan of God has been revealed through Jesus Christ. What about never a dull moment? That's what I'm going to work on this week. I say that a lot. There's never a dull moment. Okay, well, there's going to be chaos tomorrow. I just welcome that in. All right, we're going to finish up here. All this matters because remember we said there's a statistic last week that we use on average 16,000 words a day. And that's the blend between the 1,000-worders and the 100,000-worders. And this congregation probably doesn't lean closer to the 100,000, but that matters, a lot of words, 1,000 words a minute. What are we saying during this time to get us to the next level of faith or the other way? Good? Praise the Lord. So keep at it. Let's finish up with some more confessions here. Then I'll let you go. He satisfies my mouth with good things, so that my youth is renewed as an eagle. That's refreshing. I'm not getting older. I'm not falling apart as I get older. In my mouth is the word of God, the living word of God. My youth is being renewed as an eagle. Age youthfully. Start when you're 20. Try to catch up as you get older. It's okay. Start. Start today. doesn't matter yesterday. You can't fix that. Say it. Say it as time goes. I am smart. You can say that again because I know some people don't like to say that. I am smart. Sharp. You want to fight against Alzheimer's and dementia? Declare the word of God. I am smart. I am sharp. And I'm quick in understanding. That's scriptural. I have the mind of Christ. <laughs> Amen. You don't want to get to the place where you have that, but if you do, start declaring these things. Reverse it. Fight it. The Word of God will do that. And then I've got one. Try using this at home. You know the healthcare commercials that come on? Prescription drugs? Kind of comical almost. When they come on, the first thing I say is, not in my house. I don't want the pill in my house. I don't want to have to take it. But I don't want all that comes with it either. Now, who wants to pay three hundred dollars a pill to get a long list of things that'll kill you? Makes no sense. So just say not in my house. If lack shows up, just not in my house. What about strife? Not in my house. Problems of any kind, not in my house. Is everybody ready to go? You can say yes. <laughs> I won't be offended. You get Pastor Miss Glenna back, and we're all happy about that. We're glad to glad to have him back. Um, we'll, We'll end here, play our little victory song. Um, but a testimony to you, and I would ask you to receive this. I don't know if it's a word from the Lord or just strong admon- uh, admonishment. Uh, this is the mission trips they've been taking. This is kind of in the spiritual dimension side. So all these things they're sowing in a foreign land. They're taking the word to people who are very hungry, hungrier than the Westerners. They're committed to this. We're sowing into this as a church, financially, fully funding these trips, sending microphones, speakers, materials of all types into these places where people are hungry. It's probably wise for us to catch on to that new level in the faith realm and go with it. Use our faith to go with it. You know, another testament of things in in the right place at the right time and people doing their parts is when then we evaluate businesses this way about is a how much is a business worth or is it worth going after is how strong is the leadership and is the organization holding together and we look at when the boss goes or the hero goes does this thing still run just the same for a while that's a more valuable business than than when it doesn't and so While they've been gone on this long trip and then an overnight delay that we didn't expect, everybody's been doing their part. And we're actually seemingly in a better spot. I know by faith we are, but nothing fell apart. The wheels on the bus kept going round and round and round. The left tire didn't blow out. And that's, we should receive that as a next level step for the church, but also for us individually. We've been found prepared. Been found faithful. Pastor Glenna, come back to a place that's running the way they left it. On a trajectory of increase. And so receive that personally into your own ministry, your service in the ministry, and other parts of your life. Sound good? Alright. As Brother Kevin said, there's my last third closing. Get out of here. It's all yours, Nick. And have a great day. When he's done, let's just shout, go out, attack the giant and win.